You're listening to Rachel Kaysen with Exploring Your Story. And today I'm looking at the second uh, week of this series around building home. And this week I want to focus on the role that friendships have. How do friendships help me feel at home? Or maybe a better way of putting it is how can I feel at home in my friendships? I don't know about you, but adult friendships are a whole challenge in and of itself, in the sense that making friends as a child through our school lives, even to a certain degree at maybe university or apprenticeships programs in our workplaces, there's an external framework for that that kind of carries the process. We rub shoulders with people, we share experiences, we interact on a regular basis because of the structure that is bringing us together. And that creates friendships, not all the time, not even perhaps the majority of our interactions become what we would identify as friendships. But the framework and the opportunity is there simply by virtue of having people around us. Early on in our lives, our friends are often the children of our parents' friends. The people in our classes at school, any parents out there listening will know the angst that um, is experienced when their child's uh, gone up a year at school and the way that the class has been divided has separated them from their friends or perhaps they know better the relief in their child's face when they realise they're going to be in the same class as their friends for the following year. Our school friendships are very dependent um, on the nourishment that uh, family and teachers and the school environment creates to create friendships and to keep them going. In contrast, perhaps some of you listening didn't have that nourishing environment as a child. Perhaps your story has set up friendship to be a very conflicting, very complicated thing indeed. Maybe you weren't encouraged to play at friends' homes and perhaps friends didn't come to play at yours. Perhaps you never learnt to trust people, to trust in friendship. Some families are more or less open to confidences in people outside that immediate family unit. And these beliefs about friendships can really carry into the way we approach friendships throughout our adult lives as well. It can be a really interesting thing to identify where our ideas of friendships has come from. Where did we create our notions of what a friend is, what a friend does, and how a healthy friendship should function? After school and in our sort of early adulthood, we start typically to begin 
more of a conscious choosing of our friendships rather than sort of assumed groups that we get on with we begin to select friendships from a broader pool of experience we decide who to spend our time with as we become more independent and can take ourselves towards our friends without needing that that facilitation of outside structure and family transport, encouragement, hosting. And then there are other kinds of friendships, friendships born through shared experiences at different life stages. People who meet each other at antenatal classes and uh, get to join in with each other's experiences of early motherhood, for instance. We have friends from different times in our lives and for different reasons. We have friends that differ wildly in the activities that we like to enjoy together, the memories that we share. But I doubt very much that I'm speaking entirely for myself if I suggest that making friends in adulthood is sometimes very complicated and very isolating. It can be really, really hard, especially if we're going through a difficult period with our mental health or a transition in our lives, perhaps the loss of a partner or a recent house move even. And to find ourselves looking about us for somebody to reach out to and to not feel like there's anybody there. That can feel so lonely and also shameful. We have this notion that if you want a friend, you have to be a friend and that somebody who has a lot of friends is, is doing it right because they're somebody people want to spend time with. And that's undoubtedly true, except when we take the reverse also to be true, that somebody without people around them is obviously somebody who is doing something very, very wrong and who isn't worth being friends with. There are many, many reasons why we can end up feeling isolated. That could be a chronic illness that makes it just really hard to get out of the door. A coffee date might set somebody back a whole week in terms of recovery if they're battling a difficult condition physically. And equally mental health. Getting out that door to connect with somebody might be really, really difficult if everything in your mind is telling you that you aren't worth spending time with. Isolation might happen because you've moved and all the people that you would spend time with are a few hours drive away. Or perhaps everybody you know and are close with are all in maybe a similar life stage to you and you're all busy. I know for me, becoming a single parent suddenly became very isolating. Not only did I lose a lot of friendships because people didn't know which one of us to stay friends with, but also while I was busy during the week trying to earn money, trying to keep my baby well and healthy, 
weekends were people's family time. Weekends when I was free and wanted to spend time with other young families or other people, they were all busy with their partners. And that was very lonely. It's not easy to adjust to different seasons of friendships. And it can feel very scary to feel alone. I suppose in today's session, I just want to really affirm that, that sometimes we find ourselves feeling lonely because life, that it's not always personal. It's what just happens. And yet at the same time, I also want to affirm that there are things we can do about it. I want to share with you something that's worked for me and something that I invite people that I'm working with therapeutically to consider as strategies when there's something lacking in the friendship social world that we're currently inhabiting. It might not be that you feel completely isolated, but there aren't enough people. Or you have loads of people to go shopping with or go on a night out with. But when you're just down, you don't feel like there's people to talk to. Or maybe you've moved and everybody's reachable by phone or Skype, but an in-person movie night would be just glorious. So I just want to share a few strategies that worked for me. Now, I am a list person. If you're not a list person, but more of a, a visual person, um, then this you can just completely adapt this. Take what you will from it, burn the rest, is how I tend to present any ideas that I ever suggest. So I found myself, after having moved to where I'm currently living, I found myself far away from people that I'd been used to meeting up with regularly for cake and coffee dates and evenings chatting and film watching. And I was a single mum. And evenings were very, very long. The babe was in bed. I couldn't go out to where the people were. And I felt very isolated. So I sat and moped. And I think periods of moping can be very, very healing. Uh, intentional time set aside to really feel, to just sit in the feeling of loneliness and sadness and loss was actually, I think, really important in helping me identify what I really needed. Chocolate helps, obviously, and a few tears as well. And after my mope, I wrote a list. I got a piece of paper and I did a bit of a brainstorm where I listed everybody I knew. It's important to qualify this, I think, with everybody I knew who I liked. <laughs> I didn't make a list of friends in the sense that 
we all have different ways of defining friendship and ways of defining that moment when a person moves from acquaintance, a fun person I've spent a bit of time with, to close friend. And I was aware that I didn't want to over-validate my sense of isolation by being really restrictive in who I qualified as a friend. So I simply put everybody on this piece of paper was somebody that I liked. And that was everybody from a really close friend to somebody maybe I'd recently met and just wished that I could get to know better. They all went down. When my memory ran dry, I turned to my Facebook friends list to remind myself that there were people. That my sense of aloneness wasn't entirely voluntary, but at the same time, I hadn't exhausted all my options for connection. So I used my Facebook friend list to prompt other people, other names to be added onto my list. People that I liked or wanted to get to know better. And then I had a good long look at this list. And to each name, I added a note. I added a note of how I wanted to spend time with them. Now, people who were nearby, that would include more face-to-face -face meeting options. But people further away, I would put Skype or phone call. I'm actually not somebody that really enjoys phoning friends. Um, I do once I'm on the phone, but I have to gear up to that. I find it a lot easier to Facebook message, email, um, text, WhatsApp. Um, maybe you love sitting on the phone for hours and that's the most natural thing in the world to you. Really take the time to consider what comes naturally to you when you think about reaching out to that person. Some people are great to Skype. Some people just don't interact well with that medium. You've all got that one friend that never gets back to a text message. I'm probably that friend, if I'm honest. Um, if I don't re reply immediately, I can easily forget. And once you've listed all the ways that you can reach out to this person, notice how you're feeling now. I know for me, I'd gone from feeling completely alone in the world to suddenly having a lot of people I could reach out to. And that was really affirming. It felt empowering. It felt like I have choice. I have choice. And if I, they're not a close friend yet, there's still a lot I can get to know about them. And I put that list up in my room. It's not a great idea to put this list on your fridge where everybody who enters your home will see it. People get funny about um, being a name on a piece of paper and they get even funnier if their name isn't on that piece of paper. Keep it private, but keep it somewhere where you are going to be reminded that there are people and that you have a network that can grow. And for me in the days and weeks that followed, every time I felt lonely, I could, yes, validate that feeling, yes, listen to myself, and then I could look at my piece of paper. 
and ask myself, okay, who am I going to reach for? If I'm longing for connection, who am I going to try and connect with? And that really helped mitigate that sense of isolation for me and started to build for me a sense of feeling at home. I think somebody once said, and I can't remember their name, and you'll probably email me and tell me who it was, but somebody once said, home is where they know your story. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But we have to be willing to share our story, to do it with other people, for them to know it at all. And that can feel scary, that can feel like putting yourself out there on a bit of a limb. And it takes practice, practice and repetition. But we've learned a lot of other things in our lives, we can learn this as well. We can learn how to grow our friendships and how to feel increasingly at home within them. Something else that I found really helpful in this transition, this move that I made a few years ago, was to begin identifying those people that I could regularly meet up with, connect with, those, those names on that list that emerged bigger and stronger. And to start intentionally putting aside time to nurture those relationships. With one friendship, we fell into a really comfortable rhythm of regular dinners together. It never got burdensome because we alternate mains and desserts and so nobody is put on the spot with uh, hosting. We can experiment and try new recipes with each other, which is something that we have in common. We both really enjoy that. But making sure we regularly book that time was something I wanted to commit to. To be really intentional about, not to wait to always be asked. And that's really been worth it. Another part of my friendship world that has been a great joy is I've put aside an evening a month for maybe a year now and just held an open house. Had drinks at the ready, cake, crisps, nothing too extraordinary, complicated or, or fancy, but extended an open invitation to the people around me to just drop by and catch me up on what's going on in their lives. And that's been lovely. I became aware that I wasn't able to put the time aside I wanted to, to all of these individual relationships, but I wanted to signal that I was still here. And this was a way for me to do that. Plus, it has the added advantage that because I'm hosting, I don't have to find childcare. And I say that with a smile, but if, like me, you are a single parent, 
or maybe you're in a couple but childcare just isn't readily available. Hosting is a way of making sure you still see people. If you can't get out, get them to come to you. And as an introvert, in the couple of hours leading up to an event, I might start to decide that pyjamas and bed sounds quite good, actually. But if you're hosting, you have to show up. And I have never regretted yet showing up. Knowing my own hesitancies, uh, my own weak spots in social gatherings and planning accordingly, that's a strategy that works for me as well. So I'm just aware that I'm running over slightly of how long these these, uh, episodes normally are. So I'll just leave it there. But I'd be really interested to hear your feedback, to hear what's worked for you in growing your friendships. And thank you very much for listening. Next week, we'll be looking at uh, the geography of home, making your local environment feel at home. So do tune in and listen then again. Thank you very much. Bye.